Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Hey, we are live in Cottleville at the Knights of Columbus Hall, and it is jam-packed. Thank you for everyone who has stopped by the table and said hello. There were a couple of people that said Jane was their favorite Democrat, maybe the only <laughs> Democrat that they like, and we appreciate that. Sue and Fred and Abby, the whole gang out here. we got to give a shout-out to um, Kevin Lowe's and the Archdiocese and the Knights Amen. of Columbus because they are just rocking it out out here. There's a big crowd, probably even a little bigger than... There would be because uh, the crowd was, they had the fish fry last week here, but it was half the size just because of the weather. And along those lines, we will be uh, back in Chesterfield next week at Incarnate Word because we had to cancel last Friday. Former State Senator Bob Onder, who's running for Congress, is going to swing by. But we have another political type, one of our friends of the roundtable, State Senator Nick Shore is with us, with the family, brought the kids along today. How are you, Nick? I am excellent. Thank you for uh, having me on with both of my Little blonde Viking twins in tow. Oh, I wish They're I would have had. You know, I'm going to bring you. Alexa to one of these. She came to O'Fallon last year, yeah. I think, and had yeah. fun. But there were also puppies at that one. Remember, Nick? There, there were puppies were. outside. I'm puppies glad they weren't works. with us. Yeah, no kidding. But we'll have to see if we can get the girls together. Because my, my little girl turns nine in two weeks, and your yeah. daughter is that age. Well, let's, um, let's talk about some of the fun stuff in Jefferson City. Now, I addressed the issue of we might the... Need, we may, might need some of that beer for that. I though. know, right? Right. The, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I swear to God, I know people get it. They don't understand it. But on the IP reform, on yeah. the initiative petition reform, that moved this week, right? It, yes. it finally is going to go to the House, and it looks like something's going to happen. But again, if that does pass, and this is not something the governor has to sign. Yeah. If it passes the House, it goes to the ballot, right? Correct. Directly to the people. So explain a little bit more about that. So in, I listened to... Um, the, the discussion earlier on the roundtable, and this has been around for several years. And I know the biggest issue right now is the uh, the abortion that they're trying to enact into the ballot, uh, into our Constitution. So, yeah, that is part of it. But this has been around for many years. We've been sick and tired as Republicans of how easy it is. You've got bingo. You've got marijuana. And I know we we supported the marijuana initiative, but we wanted to do it statutorily. Right. Um, so with all of that being said, we had the, the ballot initiative move going to uh, into the Senate, which would allow for voters to have a say in strengthening the ability of, uh, of Missourians to have, a, you know, to, to prevent these out-of-state billionaires from accessing our ballot without ever stepping foot in the state of Missouri and changing our constitution. There were some provisions in there, again, that have been around for many years, the non-citizen voting. When you look at our constitution, similar to Virginia, D.C., California, Boston, these are areas that have allowed for uh, illegal immigrants to vote, but they have provisions in their constitution, too, similar to ours that say all citizens can vote. All citizens have the right to vote, but not only citizens. So that was a provision that uh, Republican Mike Searpoy stood up and said, no, 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 we don't need that protection, despite the fact that uh, Montpelier, D.C., Boston, Los Angeles, New York have all allowed for illegal immigrants to vote, thousands upon thousands of them. Uh, so they stripped that out but, of... But it's not legal to do that in Missouri anyway. No. Nope. Not yet. And you, okay. have, and you have a statute as well, not just a constitutional provision, but there's a statute that says only United States citizens are qualified to vote. And that's how it was in, in Vermont and all those other states as well. I don't see Missourians well. ever Wait, being Wait, Vermont's still a that. state? <laughs> Unfortunately. 
So th there was another provision in there as well. You heard all the, the talk in 2016 about uh, Russian influence in our elections. There was a provision which would uh, stop any ability for uh, foreign governments to, to pay for people to put things on the ballot for, uh, to interfere in our elections. These that, were amendments that were attached to the IP reform, right? Correct. That, right. That, yeah, so now it, it goes over to the House. Uh, talk to the, the Speaker of the House, Dean Plocker. He's indicated that he wants those provisions back in there, so we might have a, a standoff, so to speak. And either when it comes back over, we've talked to some of the Republicans that supported stripping that out initially. They said, look, if it comes back over in the House, then we'll support it. Uh, so this might be something where we have another standoff, another filibuster later in session, but the ball keeps rolling. But then what is your best guess as far as when that would get on a ballot? Because voters, in order for this to all kick in, voters still have to approve that. Yeah, I, I think, you know, unfortunately, this would probably have to go on in August. The, the reason I say that, if you want it to be applicable to anything past thereafter, November wouldn't be the one. If, if you're trying to challenge and trying to... Uh, stop this this uh, abortion on demand, as they say, going into effect in November, this would have to be passed in August. The only only problem there is in other other years where a presidential primary is occurring in August, I would say, yeah, that might be good. You're going to have the Trump crowd out then. We're not doing a presidential primary this year. We've got the caucus. Yep. So I don't think you're going to have a lot low of... Low turnout. Yeah, you're going to have very low turnout. You have the governor race, the Republican you do. You do. governor race. So Jean, Jean Evans was on the panel. You probably heard her. She, she predicted, and I don't know what the polling shows on this. Jane, I want you to weigh in, too. Okay. But she, she had anticipated that maybe that wouldn't pass. You know, So you guys do this effort. You get it on the ballot. Do you think it will pass? So I think as it stands right now, uh, it, it's going to be hard as it stands without the additional provisions. Look. Why do you think clean Missouri? Why do you think there were provisions in there on ethics reform and they really wanted to, to ballot change? Ballot candy. Well, and that's what they, they everybody calls a ballot it. candy. Uh, they did it with all of the other uh, initi initiatives that have been out there. And it, in order to get people to actually look at this and say, yeah, I don't want non-citizens to vote. I don't, I, I don't want any illegal immigrants to vote, whether it's now or in the future. I don't want Russia, China, any foreign government to interfere in our elections. Those are things that actually bring people when they're reading this quickly. Now, not everybody is paying attention like we are to this political game. So when they read it very briefly, just like with Clean Missouri, they're going to be attracted to some of those things that they definitely want changed as long as it fits pursuant to what the Supreme Court did in Clean Missouri and saying as long as it's on the same topic, it can fit in there. And I know we're getting in the weeds here, but I think that's the only way that a provision like this up against, as of right now, what, $5 million has, has come in from out-of-state billionaires to try and, and pass this uh, abortion initiative but, through. But the bottom line is you could go through all this work, you go back and forth, you got filibusters, you change, you add amendments, you do that, you get to the ballot, fails. It yeah, and I, I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't because we have bingo. The game bingo is in our constitution. Marijuana is in our constitution. Riverboat gaming. Yeah, riverboat gaming. A lot of these things that should not be in our constitution. Statutorily, yeah, let's do it. And that's where I think you have... Uh, no attempt by Republicans to change the the, the ability for anybody okay. to change let's, our statutes. Let's talk about because this this let me apply this to uh, something that's important to many people, including me, sports wagering. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I've look, I've I've covered Missouri politics since the mid '80s. I've been around for a long time, and I've long, even going back to the days, been long a critic of the initiative petition process because it's so easy to you know fit, right. change the constitution. So I'm on board with all of that. However. Right, here's the here's the problem. When you guys, not just you, Nick, but when there is an inability to get things done, and I'll use sports wagering as an example. We've been fighting about this. I think the people of Missouri would vote for that, right? So well, the polling is, is yeah. I was going to say the, po the polling on, on that is Believe very low. 
Uh, yeah. Is it really? Yes. 40, oh, yeah. It's like 43-38 right now. Well, I, I, think talking to, I think it would pass. I really do. You're talking to the, the legislator that got to the floor and actually got up for a vote. The only time it's ever been for a vote, sports betting and the VLTs. There's been a standoff. Because where, of the illegal machines. Right. Right. And they're everywhere. I mean, come through St. Charles County, St. Louis County, St. Louis City. You go to a gas station, you're going to have these computers everywhere. It's amazing. But And, and think about the, the, the money that's associated with that, that we could take that revenue and offset and get rid of personal property. Property tax, right, real estate right. tax. That's my big plan, and that's where I was able to actually get this to a vote for the first time. We're going to try it again if it comes up. I, I, I hate the standoffs. Look, just take it for a vote. If, if you pass, you pass. If you don't, you don't. But when it comes to the ballot, the polling on that alone, I think uh, outside— It'd be better coming out of the legislature than it would, it would be, be, it would be. going See, to that, a vote. That surprises me that the polling yeah. would be soft on that, but maybe—I mean, it's before any kind of campaign takes place. Well, that's true, and there are a lot of, you know, I, I think, moneyed interests that would support the sports it. Right is, it is it an anti-gambling sentiment with the yeah. polling? Yes, and that's what and I think— And the lies. I think a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, we're going to do gaming, more gambling, and it should go to education, and people feel like it doesn't really— right. Well, yeah, you that know goes back to the lottery stuff from right. the 80s. Yeah. It goes back to the lottery. Exactly. Now, let's talk about what I care about. Police. Police. Yeah, like, I think more people care about that than all this other stuff, so I'm glad say, you brought yes. that up, Jane. Yes, police. So well, we were, Nick we were has at been, the thing last night. Yes, you were. And they had a, that, uh, 97.1 had a, um, a great, you know, like, what is it, a town hall. It was a Freedom Principle. Yeah. Uh, freedom Principle, I think, originated out of Citizens uh, St. Louis. Yep. There were about 100 citizens from St. Louis there at the police hall. Nice. Bipartisan. Yeah, it was bipartisan. bipartisan we had Steve Butts, Donna Berenger. Yes. Members of the roundtable were there. We had uh, Justin Sparks. Uh, He's a county, former county police officer. Andrew Koenig was there. So, yeah, I, it was a great turnout. There were questions from Republicans, Democrats in the crowd. But the, the entire sentiment was something needs to, to be, be done. done. Yeah. Yep. And so, I mean, you know, I think we have the votes. It's a matter of getting well, through let, the let's Senate. Be, let's be very clear on this because now I don't want to lose the listeners here. We're talking about state control, right? right? Well, well, citizen call, board control. Citizen, citizen board, board control, So what right. happens is, and then it just takes it back to where it was. In 2013, Rex Singfeld um, went to the ballot to get a statutory change and statewide they voted to have the the police go back to the control of the mayor under now, under a presumption though that under certain rules yes. right but let, let's also point out just add this a lot of us supported that because yes. and I, I supported it, right yes. regretfully i think at yes. this yes. point so I there were a lot of people i think that have flipped on that issue well the democrats at the time were totally different than the democrats of today the mayor at the time I, and i talked to uh, steve butts about this last night i said did you ever think when that was going to the ballot any time in the near future that a Democrat or any politician would run on defunding the police and, right. and then win. Right. No one no. ever right. dreamed of that. No. And it's funny because the all the provisions relating to citizen board control are still in statutes because it was always anticipated that this would be an experiment. And we've had it for 10 years and all the, all the promises were broken. The budget has exploded, but we have less policing. We've lost 520 police officers since 2021. Tens of millions of dollars have been defunded yes. from oh. patrol. Yes. And when we went down to see Jordan Peterson uh, on Valentine's Day, I was telling Jane about this. This is uh, 24 hours after uh, a mom and her daughter were mowed down yep. right after yep. a Drake concert. And, and we saw, sitting at stoplights, getting ready to go to the steeple, cars just flying through the stoplights. Right. I mean, it's unsafe no for tourists. No right. regard. And you know why that is? Because there's no deterrent effect. When Correct. you study criminology and criminal justice, the, the broken windows theory, when you let these minor little crimes go by, they just start steamrolling because the criminals think that they can get away with anything. Okay, so status of that right now in the legislature is what? So it, it's going on the calendar in both the House and the Senate. 
uh, I, I believe we've got a bipartisan coalition ready to support yes. this in the House and the Senate. Unfortunately, and look, this is this is part of the legislature. You have the the strongest filibuster I think in America in the Missouri Senate, and you have one senator, Carla May, that has said, "Nah, I'm not going to let this pass. These are my police." Well, look, if we if we go any longer, we've already lost fi- lost 500 plus. We've got 300 openings, uh. not counting the 100 that Tashar got rid of. If we go any longer, there will be no police. If there's another Mike Brown incident in Ferguson, there will be no city. And unfortunately, this used to be the shining gem of the Midwest. Uh, what, 900,000 in population just several years ago? Now we're under okay, 290. But explain why, because again, process here is not something that most people are familiar with. So right. when you and we've seen this with Denny Hoskins on, on the Republican side with, with stopping some legislation. How is Carla May that powerful that she can stop this? So with, with the filibuster, I could stand up, and, and I did several weeks ago when there was a uh, stopgap measure and nothing was moving. And I stood up to try to move things along. Carla May or anyone could stand up and say, I don't like whatever bill this is, so I'm going to talk forever. And if I have a coalition of people, it makes it a little bit easier because after because four they can hours. Trade spots up right, there, right? What did, by hours, the way, what did you do? What do people do during these? Do they read from books or what the hell are you sometimes doing? Sometimes they do. Yeah, or they just talk. What did you do? I mean, uh, well, I, uh, we, we had just watched Napoleon that night, the new movie. And uh, we were talking about another member, uh, their chief of staff thought it was Napoleon Dynamite. So then we started talking about quotes from Napoleon Dynamite. I was reading uh, the Irish Irish Immortal. It was about an Irish man came over here, helped with uh, our government as well. So arguably much more interesting than what usually happens in the legislature. Okay, thank you. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, yeah. And here's what people also need to know. One, there's 271 police officers that are eligible to retire right this minute. They could walk out the door now. And then we also have the the earnings tax lawsuit that the city's going to lose. They're going to lose that. that. That's going to be $50 And you have the the, the chair of the board is saying that all of that money is going to be taken away from law enforcement. Yes. So a a problem that's already a dumpster fire, gasoline will get poured onto Mm. it. And, And essentially what this bill would do for those that are listening... Uh, I know Tony Messenger in the Post Disgrace like to say that this is state control, that this old white guy, Mike Parsons, going to have his old white cronies taking over. No, citizen board control means taking the politics out of it yes. and appointing citizen leaders Thank from the city you. of St. Louis. Including to the mayor. The mayor's best. on the board. The mayor would be on the board as well. And that's the way it was. And we didn't have all these problems. And, well, and look, no look what happened in the 90s. When crime was spiking, when drugs were spiking, how did we react? With the citizen board control back then, we were able to address it by getting saturating the streets with yep. trained police officers in a, in a uh, community policing fashion. And guess what happened? Crime went down. Right. Do, do you have to live in the city to be on that board? Yes, you, you do. do. You have to you be have a to resident be... of the city of St. Louis. Sue Thomas, oh. I nominate you. Yes. I, I, mean, I wanted to take a spot, but I'm going to nominate you since I don't All live right. in the city. Yeah, I was going to nominate Delaney and Quinn over here, but I don't think they're old enough nor are they members or uh, citizens of St. Louis City. Yeah, well, keep so. us posted on that. State Senator Nick Shore, awesome to see you. Thank, thank you for coming thank by you with the help. family. Yeah, Enjoy the fish, and uh, we'll see you soon on the roundtable. Thank you, you Keep us posted on everything. We'll take a break. Former State Senator Bob Andre, he's running for Congress. He stopped by out here in Cottleville. We're at the Knights of Columbus Hall here until 6 o'clock. The fish fry goes beyond that. Come and see us. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 
Welcome back. We are live in Cottleville, and this place is packed right now, and it is bumping, Jane. Hopping, the Fish hopping. Fry Friday tour started today because we couldn't get out last week to Incarnate Word and Chester. We'll be there next Friday, so that's going to be awesome. We have um, my friend Brian Pink from Canex in Los Angeles still coming up before the end of the hour. A couple of trials, the Rush trial and this Rebecca Grossman trial. Most people around here probably haven't heard about that, but it's an interesting case for sure. Uh, former State Senator Bob Onder is with us this afternoon. He's running for Congress in the 3rd District. Dr. Onder, how are you? Do I have to call you doctor just like Joe Biden requires it? I think I've gone over that with you before. How are you? Bob is fine. It's great <laughs> to be back on your show. That's you know, easier, right? You, we were, I was teasing Jane earlier because obviously traditionally someone like Bob Onder wouldn't be on the same side as the issues as Jane Duker. Oh, but you two a have a, a nice friendship and a friendly alliance, right? Well, we on, on definitely on the you know, St. Louis County debacle and policing and crime. Yeah. And he's been very helpful in trying to, when oh, he yeah. was in the Senate, he was trying to help, uh, you know, get get relief to the police officers in the city of St. Louis. Well, Bob's running for Congress in the 3rd District. And maybe just to start, because people always <laughs> never know where their districts are, describe yeah. where the district is, because yeah, it's kind of hard to describe, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little bit hard to describe. The 3rd District has all or part of 15 different counties, extending from St. Charles in our region extending out 70 through Warren and Montgomery counties to Boone County, which is Columbia, down to um, Jefferson City, down to the lake, and then all the way back over to Jefferson County in the St. Louis region. So it's like a big, a big Pac-Man swallowing up Franklin County. So what, what are the dividing lines here for, you know, we had another candidate this week, uh, Taylor Burks in Columbia, military sure. background, good resume. He ran for Congress before in the 4th District. I was with Mary Elizabeth Coleman last night. She's a friend. She had a fundraiser. We have, I think Justin Hicks is another state rep who might get into the race. So it could potentially be a crowded field. Right. How do you separate out? Well, I think it's very clear I am the conservative in the race. Um, I passed the uh, strongest bill in the country to fight illegal immigration at the state level. I was instrumental in passing the heartbeat bill, two major tax cut bills, the Second Amendment Preservation Act. The, uh, the, uh, the Religious Liberty Amendment through the Senate. Um, I have the strongest conservative record. I, for instance, with Club for Growth, am a fiscal conservative. I have a 100% rating, some of the people you mentioned, around 50%. Um, but I think it's really going to uh, be about, about who is an effective leader, who is willing to stand up to the Washington swamp, who is going to make D.C. listen, because that's the problem. D.C. is not listening. No normal person would run their household budget the way Washington, D.C. is. It's no, insane. No normal person would let the southern border open. 200,000 uh, 200, uh, illegal immigrants a month, that's enough to fill up the city of Cottleville in about three days. It, it's just incredible. It so, would be nice to have a balanced budget amendment. Hello. Oh, for yeah, the feds. absolutely. I mean, Missouri, they have to live within well, look, their means. You look at the, the numbers that are coming out of California right now yes. on, on their budget you know, deficit, and we see this in Illinois as well. And you have to, I mean, we're constitutionally mandated in Missouri, in Missouri to balance we the budget, do. right? Yes. In Missouri, yes. Right now, our debt, 300, uh, you know, sometimes when you start talking numbers, eyes glaze over $33 trillion. That's $100,000 for every man, woman, and child in the United States. It's like a family of four having a $400,000 mortgage and no house. We are literally mortgaging our kids and our grandkids' future. Our interest on our debt right now is more than our defense oh, and budget. That's crazy, too. Uh, so how insane. would you, if you were in Congress right now, what, what would you be saying on the... Um, 
on the Ukraine funding issue yeah. in particular? Well, right now, I, ha I have to say that the biggest problem with the Ukraine funding issue is that there is absolutely no accountability no, for right. those funds whatsoever. The United States alone is spending, sending more money to Ukraine than all of the European Union put together, and it's their continent, their security problem. Um, I, I think I, I would say no blank check to the to Ukraine, and I would say ultimately, and the Biden administration is saying this too. Donald Trump is saying this. Ultimately, there's going to be have to be a negotiated settlement. We're going on our third year in Ukraine. The the amount of blood and treasure that's expe been expended. Look, Zelensky is not going to ever get everything he wants and really Putin does not get to take over Ukraine, um, but it is time for a negotiated settlement there and account in the meantime, accountability on Ukrainian aid. I'm curious, aid. Jane, on your opinion, just with, with centrist Democrats, because I do send, yeah. you know, I've had to say this several times where I never really thought of myself as an isolationist, and I don't right. know if that's what I'm going to say right now, but I have big issues with Ukraine funding right now. Now, Brett Baer was, um, was in Ukraine with Zelensky interviewing him, asking his response to Trump wants Trump to come. Maybe if Trump came or maybe if I went to Ukraine, right. I'd see things differently. differently. I'm, I'm not without empathy for what's happening. Absolutely. I also recognize the threat that Putin right. you that, know, poses. That to me is the big issue. Right, but this is, this is what's a proxy the ROI? War. And then the other thing is, is, is it already lost? Because we don't have a sense really, I don't think, of how that war is going. That's right. And I don't think we have a good sense of what victory by Ukraine even no, looks like. Exactly. You, um, Zelensky's talked about every inch of Ukrainian soil being back in Ukrainian hands. But uh, is, you know, is, is it really all about soil? Or is it about the provocative nature of people suggesting that Ukraine should be in NATO? Uh, look, Putin's a bad guy. Zelensky uh, is likely corrupt. There's got to be some accountability, and there's got to be an end game in this. Yeah, I just, you just, I, from my standpoint, if we, if Putin is allowed to do this, I mean, you know, he, he they're going to do it again, and, well, and next time it's going to be a NATO ally, and we're going to have skin in the game. And so, well, I know that's the know, narrative, and, well, and I understand well, the threat, I mean, but I'm, I don't know what it is about this whole Hitler situation. Did. Well, well, early in this conflict, uh, Jim Talland, uh, who I really respect on and foreign he is policy very issues, knowledgeable. he said yes. very early that uh, it's not so important that Ukraine win, but that Putin lose. Exactly. In my view, when when Ukraine was not run over in a week or two as Putin intended, Putin lost right there. Now, how do we unravel this? How yep. do we restore I peace I mean, I'd like Ukraine? to drain all his resources. That'd be fine with me. Yeah, but it drains our resources too. It does, but it, I mean, he they usually go faster. But yeah, I mean, I, it is for me, it's a big quandary. I, I don't want to say never because we were isolationist and then we, you know, and then we got bombed at Pearl Harbor. I mean, you just, I, you know, I, I think that's very important to the region, and I think it is a proxy well, war. Well, and I understand that. I, I can appreciate that, but I also think that there are a lot of people in this room, working class people in St. Charles County, St. Louis County, across this country. Who are country, worried about money. They're, they're, they're worried about our own resources. They yep. see our resources being taken to yep. other countries, and, you know, yeah, these are not just little nickel and dime and, budget and, issues. And to, give, and to give you an idea of what we're talking about, the last, the Ukrainian bill that's on the table right now is more than the annual budget of the U.S. Marine yes, Corps. Yes, I pointed that we out. Could That's stunning. We could secure the southern border for a tiny fraction of uh, the latest Ukrainian aid bill, much less the total that we've spent in Ukraine in the last three years. I mean, yeah, it's not easy. I mean, I'm not saying that this is absolute, but I, I am terrified with people invading sovereigns of other people. I mean, we just, we just saw what Hamas did. I mean, these people are being empowered to invade the sovereignties of, of nations we care about. And 
you know, that are strategically placed. So I, I do, I think there's more of that going. The lawlessness isn't ending at our border. It's it's international. So that's what I worry about. Bob Anders here. He's running for Congress in the 3rd District. He uh, is a former state senator from out in this neck of the woods where we are in Connellville. Let me take you back to the spending issues just real quick because... Yeah. There, there seems to be, as you know, and you're right. friends with some of the Freedom Caucus members in Missouri, this, um, this division between governing and being obstructionist, right? So on the spending issue, this frustrates me with Republicans because, Bob, I think we both know that Republicans spend sometimes way too much as well. Completely. And if you track the federal budget, since Ronald Reagan was president, it doesn't go in the other direction, Completely. right? So how do you, and I'm saying this, how do you effectively do something with the out-of-control spending? Because... And you know this because you're a doctor. Yeah. It's the entitlements that are driving a majority of that spending. We can poke around on the discretionary right. items, but if right. we're being honest about where the money's really being spent, so what would be the approach there? Well, there really are some uh, enormous discretionary items that I think are, are low-hanging fruit. An example would be unspent COVID funds. Another example would be the, uh, the green energy subsidies and the Inflation Reduction Act. I think another is to pass the RAINS Act to, uh, to rein in regulations that cost business money and, and slow down economic growth. Fostering economic growth by opening up domestic energy production is going to be a big part of the uh, equation. But yes, you're right. You, entitlements uh, are. But nobody a wants to touch that. My guess is well, you're not going to campaign well, on that. Well, nobody's going to campaign well, on that. Well, I've campaigned on that for several years now. We shouldn't have expanded Medicaid under Obamacare. There you go, Bob yeah. Onder. Hey, thanks for coming by. Thank I got you. one more guest to get to this hour, but we're glad to see you. Thank you very Thank much. You. He's got his fancy. Uh, Bob Onder for Congress, gear on this afternoon. Get, get some fish and some beer here, Bob. Thanks for Thanks coming. Thanks for having me. We'll Great. take a break. To We're going to come back, and um, we'll come back with Brian Ping in a moment. Here, Fred's looking at me like I shouldn't take a break. I think I should take a break because it's going to get a little too late. We'll take a break, Carl. We're coming back with more in a moment on 97.1 FM Talk. Oh, not quite time for us to fly. We'll fly here in a few minutes for the fish fry. We're live at the Knights of Columbia Fish Fry at the St. Joseph's Pizzo Banquet Center off of Highway N in Cottleville. The room is absolutely packed. Brian Ping is with us from Canex in Los Angeles. And, you know, you're a St. Louis native, so you know fish fries. Did they do a lot of this out in Los Angeles, Brian? Let's start with that question. How are you this evening? Uh, hi, Mark. I'm glad you're enjoying it out there. Uh, you're making me hungry uh, right now. Uh, I could go over some of that. Yeah, you, you find some uh, pockets of that here and there. And uh, who doesn't love a good fish fry? We love it. And we have a great crowd out here and a lot of people dropping by to say hi. So I wanted to get you on the horn to talk about a couple of things that are happening out there that are curious to those of us here in the Midwest. And first and foremost, it's the Rust trial. The, the prosecutors are going after Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, who was the armorer that was in charge of the ammunition and the guns on the set for the movie Rust. Of course, this is the one with Alec Baldwin and the death of, uh, you know, his director, which was tragic a few years ago. So what, has jury been seated in this and what's going on with that, Brian? What can you tell us? Yeah, what's going on with this trial involving uh, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, the armorer, is basically uh, she's being uh, accused of taking the fall here because, first of all, the central question of this whole trial is, how in the world did live ammunition get on a movie yes. set? Uh, who is responsible for doing that? Was it her? Was it her boss, the first assistant director? He's already uh, pleaded out of this. Uh, he's going to avoid prison time. But the prosecutors tried to paint Ms. Reed as somebody who was uh, young and irresponsible. She was drinking and using drugs on the set before, uh, you know, the day before this happened. And so 
somehow allowed live ammo to uh, get on there. And then, of course, you've got the uh, angle with Alec Baldwin. He's awaiting trial perhaps sometime this summer in June after they refiled charges uh, because of uh, his role in firing the gun. Uh, Was he supposed to be responsible for checking the gun or he handled it, whether it had live ammunition? It's a blame game right now. So she she faces involuntary manslaughter charges, also one count of evidence tampering. But I want to kind of focus on the issue that you just talked about with the live round, because a Hollywood reporter just did a big story on all this with Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, and some of the drug use kind of got, you know, uh, amplified in that piece. But everything I read about this really doesn't go directly to that issue. So what I read in the LA Times, they say, look, in laying out their theory for why they're arguing that Ms. Gutierrez-Reed brought the live ammunition onto the set, prosecutors showed jurors a photo of the armorer with a case of rounds sitting on her lap, pointing to at least two rounds with silver primers that they say match the appearances of other live rounds. So the operating theory is she brought the live rounds, right? Has anyone ever answered the question of why there's live rounds that were there in the first place? Thank you. Isn't that part of the key here? Yeah, it hasn't been answered definitively, and that's a great point, Mark, because, you know, first, how can you tell? Second, was she supposed to, uh, you know, go over every one of them? Yeah, she was, if there was any you know, possibility that there might be live rounds among the dummy rounds. But, yeah, again, that central question, how in the world do you allow that to happen? Did Alec Baldwin, as a producer of this film, have any culpability in, you know, not maintaining a tighter set? and? making sure that this uh, didn't happen. It's, it's really ridiculous the more you think about it, uh, how you got that ammo there. Do you have, is there an estimate on how long this one might go, this trial? Uh, I would say probably within the next uh, week or so. It's just a matter of that. And then you've got the separate case of Alec Baldwin, which again is going to be uh, later on this summer. So, you know, prosecution is just going to have to prove its case. And again, it's, you bring up the, the drug angle. Uh, that is the, the evidence tampering uh, portion of it. So we'll, we'll see how long uh, that causes it to drag out. Sue, were you going to jump in? No, I was just thinking about that, too. I mean, uh, the question for me is, how was there live rounds on right. it? And I really, and I think everybody in America who looks at this wonders, how in the world this ever happened to begin with? Well, and why anybody would be like, oh, Let's remind ourselves not to have live ammunition right. near, you well, know, our, our fake gun. And well, we one were- thing I read about in the, the beginning of all this, so you might remember, we talked about this. There was some reference in one of the articles, Brian, where someone said sometimes what they do on a movie set, you're filming the movie, you're doing the dummy rounds, but then they go out there, you know, kind of and messing shoot, around right. and shooting out in the desert or whatever. So I don't know if that had something to do with it or not. And, and what is the line of protocol? Is it then, does, is the actor then, is Alec responsible for right. double checking? How, what is the standard? Was a should not be able to just go out and shoot live rounds for fun you know, in your off time with any chance there could be some you know cross mixing in there and getting uh, bullets where you know somebody could be killed and very sadly somebody was so at the very least you got to think that this could create a cultural change as far as people who might be out on you know open sets out in the country in places like new mexico you got to find other ways to uh you know, don't, don't mean to 
you know, put it lightly here, find other ways to, you know, kill the time when they're not on set of the shooting live Does rounds. Does anyone, I, I don't, I'm going to sue and, and Jane, I just simply do not see a scenario. And obviously this depends on evidence that's presented, witnesses, etc. I just don't see a scenario where Alec Baldwin is convicted of anything here. I, I, I can see Hannah Gutierrez-Reed being convicted of some things here, right. especially with negligence, but it's hard for me to believe that Baldwin's going to be found guilty of anything. But, but then you think, why did he get recharged? There has to be something. Yeah. That made him get. Re- I, I, I'll be interested to see what it is. The whole thing with that is that um, with with Alec Baldwin, is that his uh, his lawyers were successfully able to kick the special prosecutor off the case because it just so happened that person uh, served on the New Mexico State Legislature. So there was you know possible conflicts of interest there, oh, I and see. so new prosecutors were put on the case, and they wanted to check the gun. To see, and Alec Baldwin uh, testified saying, "All I did was, you know, pull the hammer back, and then when that snapped back, that made the gun fire." Now the whole thing there is, did he actually pull the trigger? And so they sent gun back, and you know, for they they wanted to reserve the right to bring new charges back, which they did once they you know had some more investigations done on the gun. And uh, apparently, a weapons expert said, "Yeah, Baldwin would have had to apply." enough pounds of force on the trigger itself to fire. But then there's another complication here because apparently uh, the the gun was adulterated or, or damaged somewhat in the FBI investigation. So and that, that just oh, furthers wow. the point that you said. It's, it's just hard to believe uh, that Alec Baldwin's going to be, be convicted here because yeah. Yeah, at this point it's too far gone to prove really that, uh, that he did anything uh, purposefully wrong or willfully uh, negligent. Right. Brian Ping is here. He's a St. Louis native, good friend of the show. He is an anchor at KNX Radio in Los Angeles. So I, because I go to the L.A. Times every day, have been following this Rebecca Grossman case. I, I'm guessing a lot of people in the audience would not have heard of that at all. Sue, have you heard about no, Rebecca? No, I don't know. Jane, do you know this a little bit? A little bit. Okay, yeah. so maybe sum up the case. And this got even goofier this afternoon, didn't it, Brian? Yeah, because uh, with Rebecca Grossman, apparently she leaked uh, some video under seal. Uh, to a local TV reporter, and you know she wasn't supposed to do that. It hasn't been presented to the jury, so could be facing uh, you know, jury tampering in that regard. And uh, the prosecutors wanted the, the judge to revoke bail. But now, from what I'm hearing, is that we could get a verdict in this case within the next 15 minutes. I just heard our reporter, who's been covering this, who's been at the wow. court every day. And she said they're going to get a verdict here, uh, you know, probably before you guys go off the air. So uh, okay, so she's charged yeah, we'll with two counts there. of two counts of second degree murder, two counts of vehicular manslaughter. Describe what happened here. So th- there's an accusation that she came through a neighborhood, and it was a hit and run case. Two children died. The accusation is that she was driving her white Mercedes SUV at speeds reaching 81 miles per hour. But the defense tried to play this as, wait a second, maybe she wasn't the one who crashed into the kids, right? Maybe it was the boyfriend or the former boyfriend, the, the Dodgers player. Yes, exactly. That would be uh, uh, Scott Erickson. And the uh, the defense is basically trying to throw him under the bus saying, no, it was him. He was. They were drag racing down yeah. this, you know, nice wow. residential uh, uh, thoroughfare. And this family, the two kids and their family, were trying to cross the street. And uh, unfortunately, they, they were hit and killed. But they were trying to go over evidence as to which vehicle uh, hit the kids. The prosecutors are saying there's no evidence whatsoever that Erickson, the baseball player who was driving a, a black Mercedes, hit them. That it was all Rebecca Grossman and her white vehicle because there was evidence that a white vehicle had hit him and not a black one. 
Uh, so the wow. defense's case is that, uh, yeah, they, they're basically trying to say this, you know, this was the boyfriend. Uh, but we will see in these uh, next few minutes, it looks like. Well, and, you know, the, just a little St. Louis connection to this, I think I saw as well. Wasn't Royce Clayton and his name being mentioned in connection with some of this? Yeah, as it turns out, uh, you know, Royce Clayton and Scott Erickson were drinking the night of the incident uh, before it happened. And, oh. of course, calls after here. You know, they, they had been coming from a bar where they had been drinking, so you had to weigh alcohol being a factor in this crash. But uh, Royce Clayton, as it turns out, was arrested at a DUI checkpoint just last week. So I uh, you know whether this is you know, some kind of pattern of behavior with him. But then he said he was testifying at this trial. He said that he and uh, Erickson are no longer friends. They don't like yeah. to speak. Uh, ever no, since no they're, that's they're, they're ex-friend, right? They are ex-friends. That's what I heard. All yeah. right, listen, thank you, right. Brian, so much. I wish you were here with us at the Fish Fry in Cottleville, Missouri, which is awesome. But good luck on the, uh, on the left coast, and we'll talk soon. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, Mark. Enjoy the fish and the beer. All right, take care. I've just been kind of, it's just been one of those trials. Wow. I haven't even seen it covered much on television, no. but they have coverage of it every day, and it's so, well, first of all, it's sad because these two yeah. kids oh. were brutally taken out by oh. one of these people Speeding driving driver. recklessly In a neighborhood. through a neighborhood so right? After, after drinking and after doing a bunch of stuff that they wow. certainly shouldn't have been doing. Uh, well, we're going to wrap this up here with an audio cut of the day in a moment, but I think that we can say that the first fish fry has been a pretty big success Holy out here. The God. line is wrapping around the building, by yeah, the way. No, I mean, it hasn't let up at all. So I think everyone from the area is here. Well, they did say great. this, and again, thanks to Jim Sorrell, who helps us organize this, and, and Kevin uh, Los as well, who is with the Archdiocese and the Knights of Columbus, and Kevin He's made awesome. it clear, he is awesome. He He's been is the best. helping our panel get some food, but he, he also said they probably are going to be up with their numbers because they were down 50% last weekend good. with the snow. I'm so this is, I think the crew's going to rate this as one of the best fish oh, fries fantastic. in the area. And we love Cottleville. We just wish it wasn't so darn far from where we were because we had to book flights Thank just you. to get out here. All right, Carl, let's do audio cut of the day. Playback ready. Now, the audio cut of the day. Oh, I, I can tell you, I love this story so much. And New York Governor Kathy Hochul is really upset because uh, in Nassau County, New York today, there was uh, an executive director there, the county executive, his name is Bruce Blakeman, and he made an executive order yesterday that takes effect immediately that will not allow biological boys to compete against biological girls in sports. Hey. Here is Mr. Yeah, go figure. Here's Mr. Blakeman. Biological males, whether they identify themselves as transgender or not, have sports outlets here in Nassau County where they can compete and we encourage them to compete. There are three categories in Nassau County for sports leagues and teams that use our facilities, our parks, our beaches, our ball fields, tennis courts, basketball courts, hockey fields, soccer fields, um, and basically there are three categories. There are men's and boys leagues, there are women's and girls leagues, and there are co-ed leagues. And what we are saying here today with our executive order is that if a league or team and identifies themselves or advertises themselves to be a girls or women's league or team, then biological males should not be competing in those leagues. 
That is Bruce Blakeman, the executive, wow. county executive of Nassau County. Now, listen to Kathy Hochul here. Jane, you're people. You're Democrats. Oh. I'm telling you. Here's the governor of New York. There is nothing lower than trying to score cheap political points by putting a target on the backs of some of our state's most vulnerable children. Please. Cut it with the vulnerable children yeah. crap. I'm he, he, so sick and tired of it. I don't believe in discriminating against trans people. And good for them. God bless them. But you don't get an advantage. Correct. And the thing I have trouble with is, you know, the women aren't, aren't banging down the doors to compete with the men. No, isn't that weird? Yeah, <laughs> it's so odd how that works. It? Yes. It's the men who want to compete with the women. and um, I So think they that, can win. Yeah. I, I don't know how it's in any way. It's embarrassing what it Kathy is. Hochul said. It's not defensible no. at all. No. This is, as we say often, this is an 80-20 issue in this it country. It really is. And there aren't a lot of 80-20 issues. And the this is overwhelming of, majority yes. of Democrats and Republicans think that this needs to be stopped. So good for Mr. Blakeman. He might get shot down in court because it's New York, but we'll see. Hey, gang, we'll see you on Monday. We'll be at another Fish Fry at Current Word next week. Jane, thank you for hanging out. Great to be here. Sue, have a good weekend. Thank you. All right, you Fred, too. Abby out here. We hope to say hi if you're still out here. Hang in there, and we'll talk on Monday afternoon. Have a great weekend. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.